Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, for all of his content. Of course, talking about USC's 48 to 20 beat down at the hands of arch rival Notre Dame. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at USCFootball.com. Call or text us at 424 254 9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, you can follow us over there. Leave us a five-star rating and review. We appreciate that very much, and we appreciate the coach being on with us. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Pretty good, buddy. Thank you very much for uh, checking in, and uh, we're doing our Monday normal podcast, and uh, it's been uh, a difficult weekend for all the Trojan fans uh, after watching a great football game between Washington and Oregon and everybody coming up with the main event as far as if you're a Trojan and getting knocked out. Yeah, that great that Oregon Washington game was great, and then you said there was some optimism for USC you could get a win against Notre Dame on the road, come home and play Utah tough and and get rolling. And it's the the back half of the schedule, coach. We talked about that being the tough part, and the first opportunity they have to play a tough game really fell flat on their face. I just want to kind of get your thoughts. You know, what you what are the main takeaways you took from this one? Because it just was did not look good uh, from the USC side. Well, you're on the national scene, and when you're on the national scene and you have the Heisman Trophy winner and candidate for another year, you know, you have a lot of viewers, and it's Notre Dame, and it's a great rival, a rivalry that's gone on for a million years, and, you know, people fly over there, fly down there from California. It's a big weekend, and uh, basically it was... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. Embarrassing. Okay, I think that's the best way if I'm a fan uh, and watching them play. There's not much you can say. I mean, if you're sitting next to a Notre Dame fan, he's cheering all day, and you're just sort of sitting there and saying you're right, you know. And you have to sort of uh, watch it, and it's painful. And uh, I hate to say this, but... uh, Notre Dame defense should be locked up for a felony on what they did to Caleb Williams. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, uh, it's a felony of what they did to him uh, as far as, you know, the way they, his schemes, uh, the protection he got, uh, he was confused, he was running for his life, and they made the Notre Dame defense, which was not a great defense as far as number of sacks and everything. I think they had 1.5 sacks uh, per game coming into the, uh, look like the, uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, an NFL franchise. It looks like the Jets' defensive line from last night. And I, I, I don't think it's fair uh, as far as to, uh, in all cases here, to blame the kids, yet they did have a poor performance as far as the blocking and so on and their angles and and missed assignments and, and not looking good as an offensive line and the receivers getting locked on and playing man against them and not knowing what to do or even trying to adjust to pass protections on how you can go to two back sets or do maximum zone and all kinds of different blocking or utilize your backs in uh, pass blocking and uh, routes. I mean, it, to me, it looked like no tight ends. They threw the ball twice to the tight end, and one he overthrew, which he was over, and they hit him again. But I didn't see any adjustments at all, I mean, to the uh, to what was happening to you. And, uh, you know, I can talk about this forever, but let's keep going. Yeah, the, I mean, I think specifically the offensive line coach, you did mention Notre Dame wasn't a great team at sacking the quarterbacks and really got after Caleb Williams, and pressure can be a great equalizer, and it seemed like it wasn't this one. He rushed some throws, maybe didn't feel super comfortable. And uh, yeah, it just it kind of uh, snowballed in there. But 
I, I was a little disappointed in the way the offensive line played. I, you know, coming in, I thought a lot of veteran guys, they're going to be able to play well. And, uh, they really didn't. No, they didn't play well. And I don't want to pick on individuals, but you know, they looked top heavy. Their positioning wasn't correctly done. Their step work, I didn't think was properly done. Their angles on, uh, their positioning steps as far as trying to take the outside rush that was coming around them uh, on the outside, not pushing them past the quarterback, was, I didn't think, right. And then the inside portion of it, the guards couldn't handle their guards. They were falling down. Center didn't really play that well. Basically, it was five on four. And what they said is, hey, if our four could beat your five, which they did most of the time, until they started uh, – bringing the end a little bit more and doing some sunny on the outside. They, they just played man the whole time, locked on, and uh, you had no one open unless you adjust your routes or do things that uh, can beat a man uh, coverage. So, you know, they, they, they took it as a challenge. We're going to play man against these great receivers, and we're going to go after him. And you guys up front are going to put the pressure on, and if we can do that, we're going to beat them. And that's exactly, basically, what Arizona did. And people are going to do this. Colorado did a lot of it. And uh, there's not much of adjustment because you can't run the football. And if you can run the football outside and you send your receivers down the field and you can, uh, that's like blocking them. They have to run with you to cover you. And they don't do any of that stuff. I mean, they ran one touchdown in when, Williams ran to the left and then tossed the ball, but that's, you know, that looks like a broken play. He ran a little fake with nobody there faking and started running that way. So, you know, uh, just, it's very discouraging. Yeah. Well, you know, defensively, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because, you know, Lincoln Riley said the defense really kept him in the game. I thought the defense played better. Yeah, there were short fields because of the turnovers, but they got some stops, you know, and they, they did. You know, they were, they were, I think they did as much of their job as you could expect, especially, you know, one of the touchdowns was a two yard drive. Um, they were put in some bad spots. Uh, you would have liked to see force maybe a field goal in some of those, but what were your overall thoughts uh, on the defense? Maybe you're not as, uh, maybe you're harsher, greater than I am, but what, what were your thoughts? Well, I think they played better and we're all looking for improvement. I think they played better, but then how good is Notre Dame's offense? I mean, what are we grading? I mean, really, uh, uh, they, 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 they had short drives. Uh, they had field position. Uh, the defense, uh, uh, kept them out with short drives. Uh, uh, so, you know, I don't know really going into the game. We really didn't know how good either team was. Okay. So I'm not quite sure just how good Notre Dame is offensively but they certainly did enough with their field position and the score, you know, towards the end of the game didn't indicate it. I mean, they were giving up points and going for the fourth down and on 18 yard line or whatever the hell it was. And uh, rather than just punt the ball and say surrender. Okay. Run the clock out. But it just gets worse. The slaughter gets worse. So, uh, you know, I, I think there always is you're trying to win, you're trying to win, but what are you calling timeout for when you're down, what, 20 points or whatever it is, and you're on your own goal line or wherever the hell you are? Uh, stop the bleeding, man. Get on the bus and go home. I mean, it was one of those embarrassing days that it's hard to justify as a coach when you stand up there and talk in your post-game interviews. Uh, because you know it's on you, uh, and uh, you're the head football coach, and uh, you took your Heisman Trophy winner, and one guy can't beat 11, okay? I don't care who you are. One guy can't beat 11, so you better have things around him that are more of a team type of football attitude on the offensive side of the football, the way they blew up your outside game with those little quick hitches and screens, they almost killed your receivers, that uh, you've got to have more to your offense than what actually they actually have. And you got to do, like you've heard me talk about over and over and over, the things of being physical and being able to run the football and having a 
if you do this, I do that, and all of these different things, crossing routes with man where they run into each other, all these different things you have to do, throw a lot of deep routes to test them, get the DBs getting a little bit of fear to that, then run comebacks and and uh, curl zones because you get the DB ch- churning to run deep, and then you come back. All these things, I never saw any of that. But again, he didn't have much time to throw the football either. But why not run a draw? Or these little screens, like over the middle when they're coming that fast, have the back step in there and block, and they come around and hit a screen and go down. Go down, or screens to the side. Or you've got to stop that rush. Or when those ends are coming up the field, run off tackle, run inside of them, kick them out, or turn up and have power games. And so on. No, you know, I, this, is, this is just me as far as, I guess, an old-time coach that likes to be completely satisfied that I have all areas covered. Yeah, I get it, Coach. Well, you mentioned, like, the coaching here. You know, Lincoln Riley, obviously, you know, uh, one of the better coaches in the country. And there's a lot of USC fans that are kind of getting on him about this. I, we got a series of text messages. I'm going to read you these three and then sort of get your thoughts on it. Um, we got frustrated in Texas, says, is Helton back? Zero coaching, no special teams, no offense, even though everyone claims Riley is an offensive guru. For the fourth straight game, this offensive, quote, guru has gotten out coached and beat. It's pure talent that has won the last three games, not coaching. Even Caleb has been off for two games. And we got another one. It's, I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley needs to be fired. However, maybe he's better off as an offensive coordinator. He's clearly talented at recruiting and developing gifted quarterbacks and has coached multiple Heisman winners. He clearly has zero regard for the defensive side of the ball. We need a head coach that will take the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Caleb can't do it all by himself. He's a generational talent, and it's sad to see it going to waste due to Lincoln Riley neg- uh, neglecting the defense. This team is not a college football playoff team, maybe not even a Pac-12 championship gl- team. It's sad to see. And then we got one more. Robert in Athens says, hello, coach. Uh, is it me, or is this ceiling feeling season feeling more and more Hilton-esque? No improvements, no adjustments, and every week just getting worse and worse. Thanks to fight on from Robert in Greece. Um, I don't know about this Helton comparison stuff. Uh, Lincoln Riley still won four conference championships and went to a couple of college football playoffs and won three Heismans, but fans are not happy, Coach. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Well, I don't blame them. Uh, there's nothing to be really happy about. I mean, look at your first six games and your first six wins. Look at the overall total of those teams you played and how many wins those teams have. Yet Arizona came back and had a nice win this weekend against Washington State. I don't know the details on that game. But, you know, that's no excuse. I mean, really, uh, you know, you if you're going to play on this level of football, then you've got to be physical. You've got to be able to have all phases of your game uh, where you're ready to face anything, no matter what. And you can see it in Caleb's face. You can see it. He has, he has no alternative. He has nothing to do. I mean, there's no one open uh, because what they're doing, they're playing, they're locking on, playing man, and they're not doing anything to compete it and do anything because they can't really line up and run the football, which they should be able to do. Their offense running the football is limited. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's frustrating. I mean, you've heard me be talking. I've been talking about this for almost two years about this, Okay. As far as it's the air raid offense, it's nothing different than Graham Harrell. It's nothing. They're off the same tree. It's all the same. I mean, uh, it's all pass, pass, pass. And he ran the ball a little bit more because it was man. But you've got it. You've got, and he couldn't throw the ball. You've got to be able to have different schemes as well as uh, helping out those offensive linemen when they're getting overpowered. You got to go to a two back set. You've got to go to a, a zone type of blocking when everybody steps one way and the tight end or whoever the other back takes the end man on the line of scrimmage. You've got to be able to do different things to give your, your Heisman Trophy winner a chance to throw the football with cross, cross, crossing routes and different things. And it just, uh, I just sit there and I feel helpless, you know, and, and watching what they do. Like I mentioned earlier, not having the screens and the draws and things to sort of offset the passing game to try to slow down these guys. So, I mean, here they made a. I mean, really, it was. 
I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's uh, very hard. I think people respect it more. And I don't think he would do this as a stand up and just say, we just got a total you know what. And I think he said it in his nice way uh, that he does speak, that uh, it was part of coaching as well as playing. But I think you got to look at yourself to say, why did this happen? Yeah. I was, was I prepared for this? And uh, did I prepare the guys for this? And uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know. He's going to see it again. You see the same defense again, okay, this week. Same exact defense again. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, we we have a lot of voicemails, and I'm I'm not going to play them all. I my apologies, but some someone left three voicemails in a row and asked me to play all three. Like we can't do stuff like that. Keep them short. Uh, there some that were just over two minutes long. We're not going to play, but I, I I grab a few, and we'll play these. Uh, here's the first one for you, Coach. Hey Ryan, it's Curtis. This one is for you and the coach. Notre Dame's defensive coordinator had experience against Patrick Mahomes in the pros, and he has devised a defense that we should copy. It was perfect to contain the quarterback. It was up to the receivers to get open against man or zone or a combination of man-zone concepts. And I also heard that they usually spy Caleb Williams with the best athletes on Notre Dame's team. So, hey, Alex Grinch needs to copy this defense, and others will too. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, yeah, it, uh, you know, when you get your athletes fired up, you put them in a position where they can play, and you, and you, you sort of defense them well, and that's what they did. They, they, had, they had to contain... Caleb, and that's what you do. But he's very similar to Mahomes. If you give him time and run around, he'll find somebody open. Uh, but they have pretty good secondary, and they they the secondary they locked on our receivers or USC's receivers, and those guys weren't open. I mean, there wasn't a lot of guys open, and uh, they played really good, sound defense. They didn't gamble much. They played a basic defense. They came after you. They didn't make mistakes. There wasn't any uh, misunderstanding of what they were trying to do. They knew they could whip the offensive line, and they whipped them. And uh, in fact, it was an you know a real humbling experience for them. And uh, I think it's uh, too bad that they had to go through that because you got to give them some type of help. You can't let guys just line up and know this is all you're going to do. And that's what they did. It's like you know trying to block somebody that's as good as you or better than you and you don't get any help yeah uh all right let's go to our next um email this is from dave in alaska a little long he says hello gentlemen well to the untrained eye the trojans got their asses kicked by a better coached more physical more motivated and more disciplined notre dame football team in regards to the mantra quote the longer we go the better we get yeah right the question uh, of whether this team belongs in the elite of college football has been answered resoundly. No, they do not. This is entirely expected. It's a shame that Harvey Hyde and Gerard Martinez do not appear on tunnel vision. They are the most astute observers of uscfootball.com. They have very uh, politely made it very clear that Lincoln Riley's underlying philosophy and approach are not uh, compatible with dominating on the national level. As they point out, he runs a Mike Leach air raid designed for teams with lesser talent, he runs a defense that was built for Washington State. Again, a defense designed for lesser talent. An unbalanced, pass-happy offense results in practices where tackling, blocking, and physicality are not emphasized. It also results uh, in a defense that is uh, on the field for too many plays and therefore has to substitute frequently with players of lesser abilities and experience. The defense relies on too many stunts and gimmicks rather than simpler, more direct physical play. Change is hard for all of us. And Coach Riley gets uh, defensive when he's challenged in public. So I don't know how amiable uh, to change he is. I hope that he's capable of change and will consider being a head coach where he's not the OC so that he is active across the entire enterprise. He needs to run the football uh, more to emphasize physicality, blocking, tackling, and give his defense a rest. Coach, we all want uh, you to succeed. Uh, Be courageous and call in some independent experts at the end of the season for review and critique. Thanks, Dave in Alaska. 
Well, uh, that's a coaching. Uh, you just wrote a coaching book. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, let me tell you. To me, when I watch him play, I will look at the players, and then I look at the sideline, and I look at Coach Riley. It seems like no one knows what to do. It seems as though there's no communication. What are we going to do? We just keep doing the same thing. It's not like we go to something else or do something else. I don't see any type of adjustments whatsoever. It's not sharpening the sword or or doing anything in, in any way to do these kids come and ask for help or what what's going on and and uh, I don't think I see that transpiring I don't see the communication I, I know the coaches are doing what they can do but I don't see anything improving or changing during the entire game and on the defensive side there's still some things I really can't understand what they're doing in the secondary when you take an outside alignment and you don't have a free safety. The free safety is taking the slot to the out route, and the whole middle of the field is open. Why would you line up to the outside as a defensive back, outside shoulder, and give him the entire middle of the field to throw that ball uh, in there? I, I don't know. I don't know what defensive techniques they're teaching their kids. Maybe I'm behind time, but I know the sideline is a defensive player the entire long way, and I'm not going to give him... Uh, that type of field to to run around on me, and uh, you know I don't know I don't know I, uh, <laughs> I mean really really you got to look at yourself because I don't study the films okay if I had a film I could study the film and tell you who's doing what and what and so on but uh, it it it's a lot of rotation I think there's still a lot of confusion uh i think the kids are trying hard it's not that lack of effort okay it's not a lack of effort but you got to put kids in a position offensively and defensively where they can succeed and if someone does this i got to do that or what i need to do as far as you know it isn't always what you think it's going to be so uh that's what i saw i didn't see much adjustments uh and, you know, just coaching harder and cleaning up things isn't the answer. Because what's cleaning up things? You've got the athletes you have. you got to put them in a position where you can be successful. At this point of the season, I don't think you're going to add a complete running game offense with series and so on. Because it's too late. Uh, I would think it's too late. So uh, I guess you just go with what you go and. I can't understand why these things aren't in there anyway to have a complete offense if you're going to throw the ball as much as you throw the ball. Even Norm Chow, as much as he threw the ball, they had a great running game. I'm telling you, I played I played against them. I played against BYU and Lavelle Edwards. We played them really close. But I'll tell you what, my whole offensive staff went to BYU and met with them to find out exactly their offensive philosophy and how they do their trap games on draws. They have three or four draws that uh, are all trap and regular and Steve Young quarterback draw because I played against Steve Young. And all the things that they do that if I do this, they're going to do that. And I don't see that with USC's offense. Yeah. Well, we got a lot more questions. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll finish up uh, all the different questions. So back in a minute, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you looking to advertise a campaign, short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor. We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California. 
All right. Uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, we are back here answering some questions. Rudy from London, England sent in a, uh, a text message. Uh, so we got another international uh, question. That's great. It says, hello, Coach Ryan and Hyde. Not trying to start a fire here, but do you think it's just coincidence that the offense and Caleb Williams hasn't looked the same since Cliff King- Kingsbury arrived on staff to give his two cents worth? Fight on from Rudy in London. Well, you know, I think he's a distraction, okay? I know he's a real good friend of Lincoln Riley. But here you have a a head football coach from the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals There you have a guy that uh, was there and then left. I mean, I think it's a distraction. Who do the kids look to? I mean, is he the head coach or is Lincoln Riley the head coach? And he's down there in the huddle talking to him and so on. I think it's a distraction personally, maybe put him in the press box and let him sit up there. I don't know what he does during the week or so on, but, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that you need to have somebody that knows something else. Okay. Somebody will sit down with him and say, Hey coach, don't endorse everything he's doing, but sit down and say, we're not doing this. And if you want to fire my ass, go ahead. But we're not going to win unless we do these certain things and we make adjustments and we put our kids in a position where we can win and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, when you're close friends, you talk about it, but they're off the same key. They all came out of the leech, you know, Texas Tech, the whole thing. It's the same offense, and I'm not sure if they know anything else. I'm not sure if they know anything else. I think Arizona's playing pretty good now, the Cardinals. I really think they're playing well. I don't think on that level you've got to have a complete offense. Watch some of these teams. Watch Georgia, okay? Watch Alabama. Watch them line up and smash your mouth. Watch LSU. Watch these people play. I mean, really. I mean, uh, they play physical football. And you've got to play physical football. And and right now, USC is not playing physical football. You watch Washington play, and the things they're doing, or Oregon, they get after you. Watch their defensive lines. Watch them guys come across the line of scrimmage. I mean, really, they like the game of football. And I think these kids like the game of football, and I think that they just not put in a position where they have a complete offense that is necessary to win big. And I think right now, when you can throw the ball all around against other people, they don't have great athletes because they can't run with your players, and so you can beat them. But you, when you're playing with somebody who's going to hit you in the mouth and likes hitting you in the mouth, that hurts after a while, okay? <laughs> so, you know, and I think it's going to be tough to bring back these kids' confidence in a way because you're going to find uh, play another team that's very physical, that's going to play you man, okay? going to play you, man. They're going to come after you. They play great defense at Utah, so it's another great challenge. Now, you better hope that Rising doesn't come back. I don't think he is, but if he was coming back, you'd be in big trouble, okay? Not that you're not already. And and USC's a favorite in this game by four and a half points, if you've seen that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, all right, here's another voicemail for you, Coach. Hey, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Uh, this is Dylan from Albuquerque. Um, man, a frustrating game to say the least. Um, you know, all the talk about the defense and then go figure it's the offense that loses us the game. Uh, I never thought I'd be saying that. But if you just look at some of these numbers, you know, USC, we outpossess them 34 minutes to 25. We have 10 more first downs than Notre Dame. Um, you know, we out, we only allow 251 yards. Um, to their offense, but, you know, the big thing with all those turnovers is all five of them were on our own side of the 50-yard line, um, so that's pretty much just gifting them points, and, you know, I like to be optimistic about things, but really the only thing I can take away uh, from this loss that is optimistic is, you know, at least it wasn't a Pac-12 loss, so we still are alive in the conference race, but, man, after watching that Washington and Oregon game, I don't feel too good about facing either one of those teams. Uh, but my big question is, uh, for Coach Hyde, I'd like you to evaluate the, evaluate the offensive line play. 
Um, to the untrained eye, it just seems like, you know, right tackle is a big problem regardless of who's in there. Uh, I know at least on one of the Caleb Williams interceptions, um, Tarquin, uh, basically, you know, it was like he wasn't even trying. Um, his guy got right around him, and it was in the face of Williams. So I'd just like to evaluate the offensive line play um, and what you saw from that group. Thanks. Well, you know, as I said earlier, I think you saw the same game I saw, and I used to be an old line offensive line coach, and I loved coaching kids. Uh, to me, they looked off balance. They didn't take the, the the right positioning. They were overpowered. They were out quick. Uh, you just mention it, and it, just about every technique, the, the offensive tackles had a hell of a day trying to stop the outside guys, and I didn't see them really get in the correct position or, or be they look slow uh, to the speed or whatever the angles that the defensive people were taking on them. They just looked outclassed, to be honest with you. They, they look like they should be playing at USA to say this or whatever. And it's, and like I said earlier, it's not just all the kids. These are four, five star, three star kids that have played football all their life, but they got to have help. They got to help. They get help when they're getting overpowered by something. It's, it's obviously there's a reason and not that, you know, you're maybe not as great athlete or so ever, but at least get yourself in a position where you can, you know, bite him in the ear or do something and hold on to him where you can get some help or run a draw or do certain things that that slow these guys down where they don't think they know every single play we're running. And that's the way it appeared to me, that we're going to play man in the back, you're not going to run the football on us, so here, go ahead, throw the ball every down, and we're coming after you. Uh, what was the longest run? They, you know, they didn't have any big long runs on offense. Had a lot of short runs and so on. That's not going to beat them. They know you want to beat them through the air, okay? USC wants to win by throwing the football. Well, if you take that away, what do you have left? And that's exactly what their game plan was. We're going to go after you. We're going to cause havoc for him. We're going to contain him. And we're going to play man and prove to us that you can beat us. Now, their speed and their secondary, USC was not able to run by them or get free. So you have to do something else with your routes and adjustments to face man defense and utilize your backs in your passing game. And if you don't do that, then you're really uh, in trouble. And you got to use your backs also in your pass blocking game. Uh, to give these guys chip off blocks or help them. Uh, or if they bring somebody, have your back, be ready to pick them up. Uh, you know, there's so many different items to use. Or even put your tight ends in the backfield. Say, screw it. We're going to help block and put your bigger guys back there. Do something where you can slow those guys down. Yeah. We have uh, Sergeant Strong wrote in. He said, uh, well, that's got to be the worst I've seen USC play since the Hilton days. It really brought back some PTSD for a brief moment. USC is getting to the hardest part of the schedule, and they look horrible. I see them losing two more games and getting a bid for the Holiday Bowl if they don't get their act together. I feel this was a letdown in all phases of the game, from coaching to players executing offense, defense, special teams. Where does USC go from here? Um, yeah, he's, oh, and he says, P.S. The podcast isn't the same without hearing our good friends Don from Chicago and Curtis from Moreno Valley. Um, so anyways, it says Sergeant Strong. Well, Sarge, uh, where do they go from now? Well, they try to get out of the hospital, mental hospital, okay, as soon as they can. But you you got to overcome a weapon like that mentally, okay, because they got to go to class today. they got to be around their friends today. And what's everybody going to ask those kids? What happened? What happened? And, you know, after a while, you get tired of hearing that if you're a kid and so on. So you got to go back to seeing what the coaches are going to do to correct that, because they don't want that to happen again either. So today or whenever they practice or present the game plans for Utah, they're going to want to say, okay, this is what we're going to do, jump it different, we're going to correct this, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to add this in, this, that, or so on. they got to see this. I mean, otherwise they're going to think the same old thing. Here we go again and watch the films on Utah and see how physical they are. Uh, 
and uh, be ready for another, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen. But it isn't like the home field is an advantage any longer for USC. They've allowed people to come into the Coliseum and beat them and so on. It isn't like, oh my gosh, we don't want to play in L.A., we just want to get out of there with our lives. It's not that type of program any longer. It's a, you know, it's a, a circus in a way as far as the great success that Caleb has had, a tremendous an athlete. And it's a shame that you have an athlete like this and, and he's going through this type of phase. And if you don't win with a guy like this, I don't know who you're going to win with. But you got to give him help. Yeah, Can't do it itself. And I said earlier, one guy can't beat 11. And you've got to be able to institute other things to help him be successful. Yeah, I agree. He wanted to hear from Don in Chicago. I think, I'm not sure, but I think this voicemail might be from Don. Let me play it for you. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Coach Hyde. It's Don from Chicago. Um, was anybody surprised? Anybody who knows anything about football was not. We were all saying it was going to happen, and it happened. And uh, it's, you know, despite Riley's, constant happy talk over the last three weeks um we knew we were going to get punched in the mouth and um i mean i'm not even really disappointed i think we just knew we expected this i mean our offensive line is atrocious our wide receivers who are supposed to be the best in the country can't get open break down on special teams and um you know is riley really the answer that's really the question i have now and everybody should have. I mean, after watching Washington or Oregon play, no chance we beat those teams. Who knows about Utah and UCLA? Those are probably losses as well. So I just don't know. I didn't listen, couldn't listen to Riley's press conference after the Notre Dame game, but I had no idea what he said. But, you know, anybody who knows anything about football knew this was coming. And, um, and we know what's coming down the road as well. And there's, coach, help me out here. What does Lincoln Riley do? Because right now I see him not being the answer to turning our program around. I mean, Notre Dame was not a very good team. They are the 25th ranked team in the country or whatever they were, and they just pounded us. We looked awful. Coach, looking for your guidance here. Don from Chicago. Well, you know, you've heard me. I'm an old style guy. I think you got to be tough, nose. You got to be able to be able to look forward to battles like that. And uh, you know, I mean, you look up this, look up in the state of Oregon. Okay, you got a you got a coach there, Jonathan Smith, who's coaching at Corvallis, Oregon State. <clears throat> you ever see him in the top fifteen or twenty in recruiting? Hardly ever. But you see, he's always got a tailback, and he's got. Uh, transfer quarterback now. He's always, you know, throwing the ball, but he's got a transfer quarterback now from Clemson who played down at St. John Bosco, who now has become a star too. Why? Because they do what he can do. They run the football, play action pass, hit the big plays, and they, they, look what they do. They just they beat up they they beat up uh, UCLA this weekend. Okay, all he does is know how to win and turn that program around, and no one even knows who they are up there. It's because he has tough kids and he makes them tough because that's his attitude. You don't see him jumping up and down. He's control of the whole game. He walks, he listens in his headset the entire game. You can tell when he gets upset, he tells him what he wants to. He's in control of the game, the entire game. He's not trying to call plays, but he's letting his coordinators know what he's thinking and what they need to do and they do it and i think you know i'm not saying that that he's a better coach than lincoln riley but he's a more say got the entire packages that it takes to win in situations you've got to be able to go to certain things and uh thank you know last year they were lucky to beat oregon state up there 17 14 so you know, I, I just think that you need, I'm not saying Lincoln Riley isn't the guy for the job or anything like that. I'm just saying you better make some changes or who knows what might happen to your job. Yeah, well, the people are saying he's not the guy to turn it around. He's already turned it around. They were awful. Like, they are now nationally relevant. They won a Heisman. I, 
I don't get some of this, Coach. Like, if you want to compare him to Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, like, sure. But holy cow, USC was really in the toilet. And he brought them around very quickly. So he's only 40 years old. I I mean, some of the stuff I'm not getting, Coach. Maybe, you know, I don't know. That's just me. Um, well, he's, he's changed. He's changed uh, as far as he's won at USC. But the buildup, the buildup is what's hurt him and the program with him arriving, the $100 million contract. We're going to turn it around right away. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And a lot of things, when it got into the bread and butter, you know, that you forgot to put it in the toaster. I mean, when you finished the season the way they were, they didn't finish strong, and then they came out and didn't really impress people in their games on who they played, and then gets really tested against Colorado and Arizona, and then get a real whipping at Notre Dame, people are going to talk. And that's what the fan does. That's why you make the big bucks. There's bad movies, there's good movies. And uh, you've got to be able... People are not stupid in L.A. They know football or anywhere, okay? They know football. They know what to expect. If you've been a football coach or football player, you know what you've been told and how you learned and you came up, okay? So you have your philosophies of what you believe. Now, I think he's a great coach. He's won all those things you said he's won, but he's always had a Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, you can do a lot of things when you have a Heisman Trophy winner. But then when they catch up with the Heisman Trophy winner, then you got to be able to help that Heisman Trophy winner still become a Heisman Trophy winner again. All right, we got an email from uh, John. Um, he says... Uh, John Oakland, he says, does it look like the defensive coaching staff and room are in complete disarray? Are they just coaching their positions as individual units and not as an integrated team on game day? Well, you know, I really don't know. And I don't think anybody knows because none of us are allowed in practice. Ryan, you're not allowed, allowed in practice. None of, I don't think anybody's allowed in practice. I, I don't even think the play-by-play announcers are allowed in practice. I have never, never heard anything like that before. But no one's there, so no one really knows what happens at practice. Um, do they hit? Do they not hit? Do they go into center? Do they have certain types of things for certain situations? We don't know. But we don't see them on Saturday. So it's hard to judge when we see the same thing that all of our callers see, but we try to see it in a professional manner and, and then pass on to you what our thoughts are as you had your thoughts and opinions. So all we can do is judge that way. And, uh, and you know, the press conferences are so vanilla. I mean, you listen to other press conferences of other coaches. And, you know, what was it after Dion lost? this last Friday, he did a 26-minute talk himself on why they lost, and they're not prepared, and he hadn't done a good job, and they got to learn to do this and do that and so on. And, I mean, the, the, everything's vanilla, you know. I think they had two kids at the press conference, Caleb, and I'm not even sure. Who was the other young man that they had there? What other player was that? It was that Jamil the Muhammad, but he didn't speak, yeah. Never, never spoke. Well, yeah, they, I mean, no one, it was kind of short, and they didn't really have a chance to ask him a question. So. I know it's so it's so it's why would you even bring the players? Well, you don't give them a chance. No one asks them a question, and and everybody's trying to hurry up with the questions, but someone's going to say that's it, and everybody runs away. And so we had a call a minute ago say I'm not quite sure what he said in his press conference. Well, he really didn't say anything in his press conference. He just basically said, we got to get better or whatever. So you don't really get a real, hey, man, you know, what's going on? You don't get that. That's why we all talk about it. Because you really don't get the straight scoop, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, okay, we got two more. We'll let you go, Coach. Uh, Dan, class of 62. He says, well, Coach Riley's team just went from bad to very bad. The Notre Dame game was the culmination of bad coaching and play calling since the second half of the Colorado game. The difference in this game being that the defense was actually pretty good, but again, the offense was inept. The offensive line 
uh, should have been shouting Ole every time they rushed Caleb. The Notre Dame defense rushed five consistently with containment, which meant that the man-to-man coverage only had to cover for a few seconds. The lack of more creative passing attack based on quicker slant routes and, of course, the lack of a true uh, running attack could have been taken could have some taken some pressure off Caleb after Washington watching Washington Oregon Utah and UCLA I would surprise the far Trojans win any game other than the cow game wow um, the lack of special teams coach and an offensive coordinator is coming home to roost aren't the offensive and special teams the two errors that coach Riley runs as well uh, as trying to be the head coach fight on and adjust as needed Dan class of 62 wow he thinks he's gonna lose all the 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 tough games left. I don't, I don't know if I agree with you there, Dan, but uh, coach, any thoughts on what Dan had to say? Well, I don't know right now. If they play uh, offensively, like they played uh, the last game, they could lose four games. They they could, anybody could do, you know, you never know. You can't predict what's going to happen, but you got to make some changes. And I think that, you know, you're better off, like he said, the quick slants and so on. If you go to maximum protection, that means you keep both your backs in, and you have your linemen blocked, too, and they pick up everybody, and they help the offensive linemen if they're not getting any stunts. And you try to do that. Uh, you can do those things. At least you can try those things. I don't see those things happening. And that's why you get a call like this from somebody that probably played football before or watched it happen before. And <clears throat> also, you know, I used to, <clears throat> you probably think I'm a little bit of a nut, <clears throat> But I can't be. I used to take my offensive linemen sometimes. These are the old days, okay? And when they missed their block or fell on their face, it didn't even look like they were doing it or even try to tackle the guy. At least he's trying to get a holding penalty. I used to say, come back here and stand where Caleb sits. So stands, okay? And I say, here's a here's football. Put it in your hand. And then I tell the offensive line, go ahead and block like you guys block. And I let him come at him and smack him a couple times, okay? And I'd say, how does that feel? Is that is that the way you're going to learn? Are you going to allow your teammate to get hit like that? You better learn how to block, son. Or I better learn how to teach you. Or I'm going to get somebody else. Because I like our quarterback. And I don't want him to get killed. And sometimes people learn the hard way. Their, their eyes look at like, this guy's nuts. Well, this other guy you're asking to stand back there and get hit like that. Sometimes you don't see what they go through, and then he's got to throw the ball at the same time. So, you know, there's different ways of coaching, but if you don't have the correct athlete, and I'm not saying they're not the correct athlete, it's hard to win without great players. And I've said that all along. If you're a great coach, you're better with great players. Yeah. All right, one last one. This is a little game from Jack in New Jersey. So this is rapid fire. Take it or leave it. So we're going to give it like, we're going to take it or leave it, true, false, whatever you want to say. No maybes, no hedging, no discussions, just a quick answer. So number one, he says, Coach Riley was outcoached by Coach Freeman. Yes. I'll take it, yeah. The offensive line is getting worse. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. The defense remains inadequate. You know, I'll, I'll leave that. I think I'll they, say I'll say give it a C plus. Okay. <laughs> uh, Caleb Williams' poor performance against Notre Dame is a reflection of the poor offensive line play. Yes. Yeah, I'll take that too. Uh, USC would have been better off with uh, Bill Biedenbaugh, the offensive line coach, than having Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator. I don't know. I mean, what that's like. I can't answer that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's really that's a kind of obscure. Like you. You'd rather have an offensive line coach and a defensive coordinator. Like it, it doesn't really correspond. Alex, uh, six Alex Grinch will be the defensive coordinator next year. Hmm. Hardly. You think? You think he will? or You think he won't? Questionable. Yeah, I'm leaning towards leave it, but I'm not sure. Um, I don't ever want to talk about a coach losing his job, but I'd yeah. say right now it's questionable. And then the last one, USC will finish no better than nine and three this year. I'll leave that. They could easily do better than that. I'll take that. Okay. I'll say yes, nine and three. Okay. He says, I'm hopeful, as I'm sure most USC fans are, that Saturday night's result will be a wake-up call 
to the coaching staff and adjustments are made moving forward. Caleb Williams, despite popular opinion, is only human. Fight on from Jack in New Jersey. Well, thanks, Jack, for that one. Appreciate it. And thank you, Coach. Um, great stuff, as always. Well, guys, I tell you, we're, we're all in that situation. And uh, someday somebody send uh, in a question saying, Coach, what would you do if you went to a staff meeting after that game? And then I would tell you what I would say, okay? <laughs> so one of you asked me that question, then let's do a two-hour podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any more questions than one, okay? So, uh, guys, thank you very much. Uh, I know it's very disappointing if you're a Trojan fan. You, you're not a winner unless it hurts when you lose. And I used to say, I used to look at my players, and I'd say coming home on the plane or in the bus, Who's talking and who's having a good time? The next game they didn't dress. Because after you lose a game like that, there's nothing to be happy about. Yeah. And I don't want anybody, I mean, they didn't even, you know, it just, I want to see players respect the feeling of what we work so hard to do. So that's what I'm saying, and that's the way we all feel. And, uh, Life continues. We're all blessed. We're so fortunate to be able to uh, enjoy the great game of football. So remember one thing. It's just a game, but it means so much. All right, Coach. Great stuff. Uh, thank you again for coming on. I know you got to run. and Everyone else, thank you so much for listening. We did an emergency podcast on the drive back from South Bend to Chicago. We had a Tunnel Vision show last night, and we get to get Coach's thoughts here. So hopefully you guys can get some, some good uh, therapy listening and uh, looking forward to the remainder of the season and see how the Trojans perform from here. So for the coach Harvey Hyde, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 